Welcome back to Skin the Surface. My name is Dr. Rena Lau and I'm a board certified dermatologist. On this week's episode, we're going to be discussing a very special skin condition that affects about 1 to 3% of people around the world, and that is vitiligo. Vitiligo is a skin condition where there is a loss of pigment in the skin. I'm excited to be joined by a very special guest, Jyoti Gataora. Jyoti, diagnosed with vitiligo, has done so much in terms of advocacy for vitiligo in the vitiligo field. She has written a book called Strong in the Skin I'm In, My Vitiligo Journey. She has been very active on social media, various social media platforms, and has been an advocate and a wonderful influential speaker on behalf of many individuals who are diagnosed um, and living every day with vitiligo. Welcome, Jyoti. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. Of course. So I just want to um, jump right into vitiligo and what vitiligo is. So I know I talked a little bit about vitiligo um, and how it can appear anywhere on the body, um, but can you explain to us about your experience living with vitiligo and when you were first diagnosed with vitiligo? Yeah, absolutely. So I am now 44 years old. I'm a mom of two, but I haven't had vitiligo all my life. So vitiligo um, entered my life at the age of 21 years old. Um, and I was a student and I was studying in the south of Spain uh, when I noticed a little white spot on the left of my arm. Now, back uh, in those days, it was, um, you know, there was very sort of little knowledge about vitiligo and um, there wasn't really sort of good use of the internet either. There wasn't much information on the internet. So when I first saw this spot, I mean, now when we sort of see anything or hear anything, we want to find out information, we do jump to the internet. We do tend to find out information from there as well as a source of, you know, um, you know, of medical advances and things that are going on. But there was none of that back in the day so I sound like I'm someone that was born in the 60s but no I mean that's what <laughs> like. and you know there wasn't anyone I could really check this with so I um came back from Spain I was studying in Spain and I came back from Spain and I saw my GP straight away and I was very lucky because she knew straight away what it was at that time I was aware after speaking to so many people that many doctors weren't really sure about diagnosing this skin condition but my doctor did did know and she said to me you know you have um, a skin condition called vitiligo and um you know and this this white spot I'm sorry to tell you it could spread or it could stay the same however she said um you know there is some treatment that you can try yeah and 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 at that moment, how did, how did you feel about it? I obviously was a very confident young girl. Mm-hmm. I was a really confident person growing up, never had any issues with body image or anything like that. So to sort of see this white spot initially, I wasn't really that bothered about it. I thought, oh, maybe it's because in the south of Spain, the weather's really hot. Or maybe it's because, you know, um, I've eaten something, the Mediterranean diet, maybe I've had too much fish, maybe I've been out in the sun. And actually, after Mm -hmm. the tan fades, this is going to be fine. The white spot will probably just blemish back into my skin and I I won't even see it. But that wasn't the case. Um, The Mm -hmm. the white spot was spreading quite quickly. And I would use the word quite aggressively. 
Mm-hmm. And what treatments were ever discussed with you? So I was told um, at, when I actually went to the GP at the very, the very first appointment, I was actually given um, the options to me. The first option was mm-hmm. to uh, to attend um king's college hospital which is quite a well-known hospital in london Uh, i was lucky that that hospital was just not very far from my parents house and i could access it really easily so i was told i could do puva treatment there now puva means it's a light treatment um and you you have to stand under some uv light for a small amount of time so 30 seconds and you build up on that time gradually over weeks and months maybe um, and then it sort of stimulates the melanin it stimulates the pigment to come back so initially I was like okay fine yeah I'm going to do the treatment um, I'm lucky the hospital is near my house uh, I can access it really easily I can go twice a week for the treatment because it was twice a week this isn't a problem I'll do it and it'll get fixed and everything will be perfect you know um, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll do the treatment probably take a couple of months and job done it's finished and I'll be fine so I then um started the treatment at King's College and it was starting to work well I was starting to respond well and thinking about this now I realized that because I was sort of newly diagnosed and this was new pigment this was all very fresh and my skin was responding really well to it But as I was kind of going through the treatment, I realized it was starting to take a toll on me, like the journey to the hospital, even though it wasn't that far, doing the treatment, maintaining the treatment, like it was really full on. And there were days where I just felt like it was just really hard work. And I tried Mm -hmm. so hard to maintain it. I tried so hard to keep it going. Um, But then I found that I was lapsing. And whilst I was lapsing, um the skin wasn't responding as well Mm -hmm. so when I then started to think oh great this isn't actually working as well as it could be um and you know I then started to rethink is this really what I want to continue doing but I did continue doing it for probably about six months Mm -hmm. and and that's actually a a very common you know story that we I come across with with a lot of patients I've encountered with vitiligo and from stories I've heard too is just uh, you know unfortunately sometimes that the taking the time to do the the treatment um you know you have to come in you know sometimes it depends on you know where you live it could be you know um far away it could be one to two times a week maybe two to three times a week and just the act of doing the treatment and taking time out of your day like you said you know it does take a toll on you um emotionally as well and so and then financially you know as well for for many individuals um and so it's and then once you kind of decrease the treatments or for not even that sometimes i've noticed uh with patients and i don't know if you notice this yourself that sometimes it'll work really well and then all of a sudden it kind of stabilizes where we don't get as much repigmentation yes Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is exactly what happened with my skin. It started to work off really well. And then I had a great mindset, like, this is going to work. It's going to, you know, I'm seeing, I mean, the first time that I saw a brown pigment was so overwhelming. And I was like, 
oh my gosh, this this is really responding to my skin. And obviously there are really stubborn areas of the body. So you've got like your ankles, your feet, your wrists. I mean, at this point that I started treatment, my vitiligo had spread quite a lot. Um, Because by the time they took to register me and get me started with the treatment, I it was probably about three months. Um, and by that point, it had spread quite a lot from that little spot that it was uh, when it initially started. And um, when after you know, kind of um, doing the PUVA treatment, did anyone ever talk about any topical treatments? Um, have you ever have you did, did you do any topical steroids? Did you find those successful? Yeah. So. I then, I mean, obviously my mum being a nurse, it was really interesting because there were so many remedies she wanted me to try. So after we'd gone through the whole poover thing, I did that for about a year in the end, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And after I realised I couldn't do this anymore, um, I then, my mum then found out about Chinese herbal. Mm -hmm. Boil these like, looks like bark of tree and you boil it and it absolutely stinks like the whole house I remember would just have this really awful aroma in the house and it would just you know mum would boil it and it would only be a little small pan and the whole house would just reek of this stuff and then I had to drink it so not only was I smelling this I had to then drink it and it was so repulsive I felt like I was going to be sick that didn't last very long I probably only did that for about a couple of weeks and then I just thought I can't do this I can't put this down my throat I can't put myself through it it was just awful um, and some people might say, my gosh, but if you know that it would have helped reverse your vitiligo, I mean, yeah, I was desperate, but I was, I just could not, st- I just couldn't drink it. I just couldn't drink right. it. Tried, right. the, tried the steroid cream as well. Um, mm-hmm. that, that really scared, that really worried me because I thought steroid mm-hmm. creams can thin, thin your skin as well and make them sort of, you know, as well. I was worried about cancer and all the side effects of mm-hmm. those steroid creams as well. So I was worried about using those, especially because... I would be applying it to thin layers of my vitiligo, like on my legs. And mm-hmm. you know, I was really worried about applying it on those areas. Right, I didn't, exactly. I didn't really use those steroid creams much. Right. I think it's, you know, a lot of times you have to be cautious, like you said, because interestingly, steroid creams can cause lighter pigmentation as well. And so that's, that's the opposite of what we want um, when it comes to treating vitiligo. So you're, you know, you know, um, you know, using them cautiously is, is the right approach. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so I'm really, you know, interested in, in learning about, you know, for in, individuals who, um, you know, might live in warmer climates or um, travel to warmer areas such as Spain, like yourself, how did you, pro- how do you protect your skin from sunburns and skin cancer? Just because with vitiligo, I'm sure you're, you know, you're more likely to experience some sunburns. Absolutely. I mean, I went through phases where I would go on holiday and I I had really awful experiences. I think it was just once when I came back from Greece and I burnt really badly. I got taken into Charing Cross Hospital as soon as I landed because one of the, um, I was on treatment at that time and everything just reacted so negatively. It was so, so awful. Um, and I'll never forget that day because my parents picked me up from the airport and I was in hospital like literally straight away um, and it was just 
the doctors said to me, God, what, what happened? And I didn't tell them that I was in a private treatment for my skin, but I had blisters all across my body. It was really disgusting. Now, for anyone listening to this, it wasn't just a normal sunburn. It was just like big lumps across my feet and my, 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 my neck, my arms. It was just awful. And this really, to me, was a strong learning curve that I can't take the risk anymore. I've got to be really careful. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've always since then I mean I've always used factor 60 for my skin I use children's sun, sun cream as well to properly protect my skin and even now in London it's quite grey and quite gloomy we've had some really beautiful weather but today is quite cloudy but I still have a tinted face uh, block on my skin mm -hmm. um, and I, I probably put a little bit of cream on my hands I mean I'm still quite cautious of the sun um, but the funny thing is I have to say is that I used to resent the sun so when in my earlier days of diagnosis, I used to resent it so much when I used to hide behind long sleeve clothing and makeup because mm -hmm. I was ashamed of my skin. And actually now I absolutely love the, you know, love the sun. Like I just, I, I just need to protect it, wear a hat, wear glasses, wear long sleeve clothing where I can. But because I was in long sleeve clothing for so many years, I absolutely love wearing sleeveless clothing now. Mm -hmm. But I know I need to be careful with my skin. So it's just it's just being sensible it's being sensible and it's just being aware and it's just taking precaution exactly exactly um and then i like how you talked about you know um you know sun protection any um um camouflage brands or topicals that you have found to be effective um that help to kind of i, I get this question a lot from patients who have vitiligo anything topically that you recommend um, if they want to go out in the sun, for example, they're having sunblock on, but maybe they feel a little bit self-conscious about their vitiligo in the, in the deep pigmented patches. Any camouflage brands or topicals that you have used in the past that you found to be effective or, yeah. or do you prefer not to use those? No, 100%. So I normally use um, just a sort of normal um, ombre solaire factor 50, factor 60 for children for moisturizing my body. But for my um, for my face, I've instead of, instead of actually applying a foundation, there's a fantastic brand um, which I only just discovered two years ago, and it's called Helio Care. Now this is brilliant because it's got if anyone's got kind of Asian skin or tanned skin, they do two colors. They do one in bronze, and I think they do one in tan. I use the one that's bronze. And you apply it like you would a sun cream on your body. But when you apply it to your face, it looks like a foundation base. It's fantastic. So I've got that on now. So I, and all I've done is put like a little bit of my uh, Bobbi Brown um, powder on top of that. And yes, you can see little bits of my vitiligo, but that's because I'm not so bothered about completely covering my skin. Mm -hmm. I've just put that on because it just feels nice and it's protecting my skin. It's got a bit of color in it. It doesn't make the vitiligo look as visible as white as patchy um and yeah it's just a nice thing if I'm kind of out and about um going out with family or doing something and I don't want to put a whole face of makeup on I'll put a whole face of makeup on if I'm going on a night out or I want to you know dress up but it's not an essential thing that I find I need to do whereas back in the day I had to cover up every spot right right that's great I I do I love helio care too um, and then your involvement within the vitiligo advocacy groups is incredible. Um, what made you interested in speaking about vitiligo on a broader platform? 
Right. So, well, it's so interesting, actually. Um, I, from someone who hid my skin from the world, from family, from friends, from neighbours, from work colleagues, it was only in 2016 that things changed. So I um, got offered the opportunity to um, talk about vitiligo for a BBC document documentary in 2016. And it was a really big step for me. But there were some things that happened in my personal life that just evolved me at a quite a fast pace. And I just thought I'm mentally ready to kind of talk about this openly. So I took the step and I took part in that. And I think that was a life changing moment for me because the moment I started to openly talk about that, everyone watched it, family, friends, neighbours and all of that. And they understood straight away what the condition is. And I think it made people aware about what vitiligo was. There wasn't any need for me to have to explain it to anyone because it'd been done on national TV. Um, and then I felt like, you know, I, I created my Instagram platform and it started off as just a place of supporting people and telling them that it's okay to look different and be comfortable in your own skin. So many people just would message me and say, God, with this and I'm struggling with that and I don't know how to how to deal with this and what makeup do you use for this and how do you do this and it was so there was so much there was so much discussion going on and I really found like there was you know there was a need to support people and help people who were going through this difficult path so vitiligo and me was my initial platform because I talked a lot about my journey with vitiligo in the earlier stages of being diagnosed. And I then sort of started to share little snippets of what life was like for me. So for example, turning up on the school run without any makeup on. Now imagine all the school mums have seen me with a full face of makeup and then suddenly I arrive at the school gate without any makeup on and they can see it alive on my face. Like surely what's mm -hmm. going through their heads? What's happened to her face? What is that? Oh, my family members got that. Oh, I've seen someone who's got that. I know someone who's got that. Right. What's she done to herself? Did she get sunburn? Has she got a scar? Has she got a birthmark? Like, and I remember getting these really sort of um strange looks from maybe one or two people, but the vast majority of people really didn't care. Like no one really said anything. Now they mm -hmm. might have had thoughts going through their mind or through their head, but to this day, because I've been so vocal about it, if anyone wants to ask me about it, I'm more than happy to talk about it. And I did blog, and it is on my Instagram, an incident that took place about a year ago um, because of COVID. When the children started going back to school, I was lining up outside the school with my son, who at that time was eight. And one of his classmates was in front of him. And I, I, I logged this because it really, it kind of affected me in a way. And this boy turned around and goes, what is that on your face? so loudly in front of all the school mums and in front of all the other school kids my son looked at me and he was like go on mum go on give it give it give it go on say it. <laughs> and I was like well and I realized I was talking to an eight-year-old boy so I needed to change my language so I was like well I said it's it's just the color of my skin and I said do you know what it's called it's got a special name for it it's called vitiligo and I said, only one to three percent of the world's population have this. So I'm really special. And he just looked at me and my son just gave the biggest smile ever. Mm. And on World Book Day, he actually took my book into school because I've written a book and he actually took my book to school. And so did my daughter. So I think the whole of the school know what 
vitiligo is because all those children I know went home and told their parents. (laughs) So I think kind of they know about it and they must have sort of looked it up, but no one sort of asked me anything, although I'm really happy to talk about it. But I think moments like that, and then the mum, that this was really funny. I have to talk about the mum's approach because she was really embarrassed so she came, well, she was standing next to me. She says, I'm really, really sorry. She said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I said, no, you didn't offend me at all. I said, I'm so happy your son asked. I said, because a lot of people don't ask. She said, but he shouldn't have asked in that way. I said, but why not? And she said, well, because he sort of said it really loudly. And I said, no, I said, I'm not embarrassed. I said, that's the reason why when I responded, I responded in quite a loud voice so that all the parents could hear and all the children could hear. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's called <laughs> Fidelido. <laughs> and then it was really lovely because another mum who was in the queue who was further down the line the next morning on the school run she said to me I'm really proud of what you did and I said oh what do you mean she said well I was bullied when I was at school because of my freckles and she said it's really nice that you talked about it in such a confident way and then I told her about the work I'm doing and it just felt really nice to be open and real about it and talk to the children about it It's it's absolutely normal there's nothing wrong Right, exactly. And just embracing embracing the vitiligo and, and yeah. explaining it and, and creating a, 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 a way to educate them um, yeah. on vitiligo because, it, like you said, it affects one to three percent of the population. You know, yeah. people are going to encounter some, you know, someone who who has um, a family member or they experience vitiligo. Yeah. So it's just, you know, there's so many different misconceptions about vitiligo and myths. I've heard a few things. I'm sure you've heard a th- few things that, you know, like you said, is, uh, were you physically harmed? Was it, yeah. was it a scar? Um, is it linked to cancer? Um, and is it infectious? Is it contagious? All of those things. So it's great that you use that moment as, an, as a way to educate um, that little boy and his, and his family and the other kids in the class, because that's, that's an amazing story. Yeah, it was. And I really felt like, and I really felt I had to blog that because it was just right. such a, you know, it, it did make me make me also feel like, oh, my God, like no one's asked me about my vitiligo for a while. And all of a sudden in the line, what's that on your face? <laughs> like, this is like, oh, gosh. <laughs> but yeah, And it made my son and actually I asked him afterwards and I spoke to him. And I said, um, how do you feel that mommy responded to that? And he said, you did good. And I knew because <laughs> I was confident he was confident. Right. So right. yeah, yeah, and I love how you mentioned your your book. You authored a book, um, "Strong in the Skin." I'm in. Can you share what you know inspired you to write the book, um, and what you know um, a little bit more about the book itself? Absolutely. So. I'm someone who loves traveling. I lived in Spain. So it isn't just about vitiligo. It's about my travels and living in Spain and the Indian culture and the um, British culture and the Western culture and how I navigated my life living in in Europe, uh, living in, in, in the south of Spain for a year. I was only 21. I was a student. I was studying Spanish. And, you know, it's a big part of um, who I am because I had a real love for languages when I was younger and I wanted to use my languages when I was older. So, you know, the book is about my vitiligo journey, but it also talks about my travels and it talks about how uh, my life was before vitiligo entered my life. And I think that's a really important point to bring up because, like I said, it didn't start when I was, you know, um, 
when I was born, this this came at a very tender age of 21. And body image is so important to young people these days. And so like to suddenly see changes happen to you was just uh, was just overwhelming. Um, so I really talk about, you know, how those dark days were. I talk about the my travels. I talk about the dark days of being diagnosed and what that felt like, how that really impacted my life. Um, and then I talk about the treatments, but how I overcame all of these things, like what tips and strategies that I used to get me out of this really negative circle that I was living in for 20 years. I talk about, you know, the bright side of life, how I managed to find someone I've fell in love with that I loved that that I'm married to I have two children with I talk about how you can change your life and how you can really accomplish the things you want to and that your visual you know your visual disability or condition should not impede should not prevent you from achieving what you want to in life and I talk about that through my key achievements and I just kind of normalize everything and share with people that you know it's okay to feel the way you do but you know what you're not alone and, um, you know, I, I think what's really, really lovely is that I think children are able to relate to the book. So my children have read the book. It's a quick read. I can get through the book in about two hours. It's a really quick read, an easy read. Um, and it's a great book for parents who might need to support their children with this topic because, you know, as they enter secondary school and university, this topic is just one that seems to be affecting our young people so much so and as a parent myself and as a teacher um, I realise that it's so important to know how to support our young people how to support our children and if there's one thing that I share in my book it's just those little tips you know those little strategies on what we can do to make our life easier because had I have known this had I read a book similar to one and I've written myself I don't think I would have hidden it for 20 20 years and I don't think I would have hidden I wouldn't have hidden my skin and I think I would have handled things in in quite a different way so I, I really hope that my book inspires young people and also adults and parents to maybe approach life differently if they are in a situation faced like myself that's wonderful and, and I noticed that was a similar theme or the same theme with your YouTube channel, too, and your Instagram, too. I, with your YouTube channel, I love how you not only interview individuals, but also talk about different topics. Like I saw your video on nutrition or mental health and children's mental health. So it's great that you kind of focus on these, not just, you know, directly vitiligo, but indirect, you know, topics related to vitiligo and individuals journeys, because this is very important. I don't think that there's a lot of resources. You know, now I feel like there are more resources, but when you were first diagnosed, like you said, I'm sure there was, you know, when Googling, there wasn't that much information about vitiligo or there weren't that many books or, um, you know, resources, YouTube channels, you know, social media posts about this that were yeah. encouraging such as yours. That's yes, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and, and there is a, a lot of support out there. There are lots of charity groups now. There are lots of people supporting each other on social media. You know, there are some fantastic and wonderful advocates. And it's just finding the right person that you feel is going to really guide you and help you along that journey. Right. That's that's wonderful. Um, and then, you know, just last question. Um 
when it, what for an individual, um, a young girl, teens or 20s or a child who's dealing with vitiligo and was recently diagnosed with vitiligo, what, what, what is the best advice that you have for them? The best advice that I would give you is I would say that first of all, reach out to your family and friends, okay, reach out to that person that you feel you can talk to, don't isolate your mum and dad, don't isolate your family members, because they are there for you, and they need to know how to support you, and if you don't open up to them, they're never going to know how best to support you, so ask them, tell them what you need, speak to them directly, communicate with to them from your heart and tell them I need you to do this I need you to do this I need your support with this it's okay to feel vulnerable it's okay to show that weaker side of yourself because sometimes we need that support so that's my first thing the second thing as well is to really kind of look out for those professional groups that can support you through getting through the difficult side of things. So whilst there's some fantastic ambassadors and advocates out there, it's always worth getting that professional support. You know, it might be from a registered charity group. Um, it might be from your GP that you've got a list of services that you can contact and just have that support with. Definitely, definitely do that because you never know who you're going to meet as well. And in my, in my book, I met one of my best friends um, through the Vitiligo Society. So she's mentioned in my book as well. So I talk about that friendship of when I actually met the first person with Vitiligo. And that was like, what, 30 years ago? No, sorry, 20 years ago. And I talk about that first encounter of meeting her and what it was like. But you know, she's a lifelong friend. She's a, and that's not just because of Vitiligo. We actually share so much in common. Um, so you never know who you're going to meet. You never know what that support, what support that person's going to be able to offer you and what friendship's going to grow out of it. And I think that's the most beautiful thing as well, because if, if you've got someone who's going through the same things as you, it's always going to be easier to talk and support one another. That's amazing. Yeah, I that's a beautiful message. Well, that's all we have for today's very inspiring episode. I want to give a big thanks to our very special guest, Jyoti. Do not forget to follow her on social media at Positive, Positively Diverse on Instagram. Follow her YouTube channel. Subscribe to it. It's amazing. Um, and then also don't forget to order her book, Strong in the Skin, I'm in My Vitiligo Journey. Um, I'm going to be posting all of her information as well on our website at Skin Surface Pod, as well as our Instagram as well. As always, stay safe and healthy, podcasters. <laughs>